0: welcome to the moses lake baptist church sermon podcast this episode is from our relentless sermon series which walks through the book of judges and sees how god is constantly pursuing his people we hope this episode will be an encouragement to you and we would love to hear how god used it in your life i want you to take your bibles today and open up to judges chapter number three judges three this morning And before we get into the message, um, I wanna do this. I know there's a number of folks that gave candy or financially or folks that prayed, uh, but really there was a special group of people that served this week at VBS. And so I wanna do this real quick. If you served in any way on any of the nights at VBS, would you just stand and uh, just stand right where you are if you served in any way at VBS and uh, let's, I want you to stand. Would you help me? Would you thank these for serving this week? (laughs) Thank you. You all, you all can be seated. Listen, I, I was so uh, just thrilled this week. Of course, uh, most at uh, the kids that trusted Christ and uh, at the attendance we had, but I think this year, and uh, Miss Beth would know for sure, but this year is the year that we had the most workers. That we've ever had. I think we had, uh, um, I think 40 or 41, is that right, that, that signed up to help throughout the entire week. And I want you as, as workers to know, and really as a church family, uh, if you prayed this week for VBS or if you even just gave just one bag of candy, uh, listen, God blesses the work that we do. And the kids that got saved, um, the Bible tells us that that goes on to our account as servants of Christ. And so when God looks down thinking about VBS, even if you just gave a bag of candy, You just prayed for the week. God says that goes on your account. And uh, aren't you thankful that God wants to use us? And, uh, you know, I I don't know about you, but I'm reminded often about how unworthy I am to be used by the Lord and to see God work in a week like this and vacation Bible school. I think every year I kind of dread it, you know, starting the week. I'm like, oh man, it's VBS. I'm going to be tired. But then come Friday night, I'm like, oh man, VBS is over. I'm not really tired, you know. And uh, it was just, it was such a blessing. And uh, so thankful for how God and how God worked. How many of you know the devil fights you being in the Lord's house, doesn't he? I just wanna share this, This has nothing to do with the message, but I'm gonna share a story with you from last night, uh, because it was you know Saturday and and I had worked through the week, of course, uh, pastoring and and doing all that, studying and got home a little bit earlier last night than normal, and man, I was all ready, I think it was like 8.30, I was ready, I'm getting ready to go to bed, nine o'clock on a Saturday night for a pastor, That's great, that's a great night. And uh, we went downstairs, our dog, he's been in the cone of shame for uh, a few days. And so last night was the night we're gonna take him off the cone of shame. We took the cone of shame off. Again, this has nothing to do with the message, just sharing my life with you. And uh, we took the cone of shame off and Hannah was playing fetch with him with a little sock. And he got so excited that he inhaled the sock. (laughs) Like she threw it and he caught it and was like, and it just, it went down. And I opened his mouth and stuck my hand in as far as I could to get this sock out and it wasn't coming and he wasn't gagging or anything, but he's still playing. And we're like, well, that, you know, I mean, I I I know dogs can swallow a lot of things, but probably not a sock. And so Hannah called the veterinarian that, you know, they have a 24-hour hotline for veterinarians. Did you know that? We found that out, they, they do. So if you need the number, she knows it, I think by heart now, but um, we called last night and she, she told us a way to make our dog regurgitate so the sock would come back up. Long story short, the devil was fighting us getting to bed last night and me getting some sleep, but thankfully he did bring the sock back up I didn't bring it for show and tell, but I just wanted you to know, you know what, uh, the devil fights us being in church and he fights all of us. And here's why, the devil knows that God wants to speak to your heart. And you know, we, we talk and we sing this morning about the greatness of God. Uh, the devil knows how great God is. He knows. And so he's gonna fight you being in church. He's gonna fight however he can this morning from us hearing from the word of God and allowing God to speak to us. And uh, I'm looking forward to the message today. We're getting back in our study in the book of Judges. We've been in in a series called Relentless, and a study of judges just looking at the continual pursuit of God for his people. And if you were with us last week, we opened up the message just understanding that that uh, the children of Israel that they had these times, and we do as well, where they were listening to God. They understood what God was saying, but then they never acted upon what God said. You remember two things specifically. There are many, many many things that God asked of the children of Israel, but two specific things as they moved into the promised land. Number one, God said, I want you to take out all of the enemies, either A, drive them out of the land, or B, annihilate them from within the land, but regardless, take the enemies out. He gave that to Moses. He gave that to Joshua. And of gave that to the children of Israel. And that's recapped all through the book of jo- Joshua, all through the, the Pentateuch, uh, through uh, Deuteronomy, that that's supposed, to what, that's supposed to be what takes place when they move into the promised land. The other thing that they were supposed to do is they were supposed to teach their children who God was. They were to continue distributing the faith to their children and their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. That was really the two main responsibilities of the people of Israel when they move into the promised land. Annihilator get rid of the enemies, and bring up a generation that knows me. Well, what we discovered last week is that the children of Israel, they gave God what we call a partial obedience. They only partly drove out the enemies, and then they only partly taught their children about the ways of God. And as a result of that, we have the book of Judges. The book of Judges is the children of Israel living among their enemies, they're now dwelling among the Canaanites and Amorites and all the ites that we looked at last week, the parasites and not parasites, but parasites and with a Z, but they're, they're living among them. That's the, the first result. Now they're living among them. They're going to be enslaved by them multiple times. And so God would allow that slavery to come to try to turn them to him. They still wouldn't. They'd cry to the Lord. He would give a judge then he, in his grace and mercy and love. He would say, hey, I, I will relieve this pain and I'll help you. So that's a result of that disobedience, that partial obedience. But the other result is you find in Judges chapter two, and I think verse 15 or 16, or, uh, and maybe verse number 12, it says that there rose up a generation that knew not God. So now we have people that are living among their enemies, partial obedience, they didn't drive them out. And now they're raising children who don't know who God is. Can I just tell you this morning and clear a little spot off real quick before we even get into the message, this is the pre-preaching preaching, preaching. that when you and I do things our way instead of God's way, the result is always bad. And we're going to see that again this morning. We're we're really going to see it in every message through our series because it's kind of like, it's cyclical with the children of Israel. They were like, follow God disobey God, call out to God, follow God, disobey God, call out to God, follow, and just kind of cyclical. it just kept repeating this. And yet you read in Judges chapter two and verse number 16, a great word. The very first word of Judges 2, 16 is this word, nevertheless, nevertheless. They had this cyclical relationship of just going around and around and around, but God never gave up on them. Man, aren't you thankful that God doesn't give up on you? What a blessing. What a blessing that the the Old Testament writer wrote that God would never leave us nor forsake us. And then the writer of Hebrews reiterated that saying that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And there is always going to be a nevertheless. And that's really what the book of Judges is about. It's about the nevertheless. It's about the continual pursuit of God because of his love, his grace, and because of his mercy. This morning, we're gonna continue in Judges chapter three. And so I want you, if you would, to stand with me. Judges three, and we're gonna read... (coughs) excuse me, verse number five, down through verse number 14 of our passage in Judges. And you can read there on the word of God, or you can use the, the screen. Of course, all the verses will be up here as we go through this. Judges chapter three and verse number five, we read these words. The children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, the Perizzites, and Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the ites. And they took their daughters to be their wives. So now there's this Uh, intermarrying going on between the enemies of God and the people of God. Another thing that God said should not happen. And yet we see it taking place. And they gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Chushan or Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan-Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan-Rishathaim. Man say that 5 times fast. And the land, don't try it. Some of you're trying it. Don't do it later. And the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. I want you to notice the next verse, verse number 12. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. The Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and <coughs> went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. We read this morning about the children of Israel once again being pursued by God. And today we're going to find out, I I believe, just some helpful truths and two key principles that we can learn from this passage that apply to us. And so I hope this morning that as we come to the Word of God and we look at Othniel and Cushan rishathaim and the children of Israel, I pray that we would just have an open heart of, God, please speak to me and help me to learn from your word today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take a moment and ask God to speak to your heart? Just maybe commit to him the morning, the next few minutes as we get into the word of God and ask him, God, please speak to my heart today and help me to listen to you and hear from you. Lord, thank you for the day and we thank you again for the word of God. And I want to pray this morning, Father, that you would give clarity of thought and direction to me as I preach. I just surrender my mind and words and actions to you. Lord, I believe that uh, you have a message for us and a challenge for us. Lord, I I really think this can help us today. And so, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray, Lord, that as we get into the Word of God, that you'd uh, capture our attention. And, Lord, that you'd speak to us as only you can. If there's someone here, Lord, that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they come to know you as their Savior. We love you, God, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. Brian, would you unplug that black light for me? Uh, A moment ago, I said, uh, you know, just what a great VBS we had, and it was was an awesome week. Um, Had a lot of fun time growing with the Lord, a lot of laughs, a lot of great games and Bible lessons, but every time I... I, uh, I work with kids, you notice some things. And have you ever noticed, and I'm sure you have, those of you that have children or uh, maybe have worked with children, you ever notice that they do really good, most kids do really good when an adult is watching. Don't they? Most kids, I mean, you think about, now there's some, they're just like, they don't do good no matter what. Some of you were like that growing up. You know, I'm not gonna have you admit it, but that was you and probably me. But. There's other kids that they do really good when someone's watching. I really noticed it, you can notice it through VBS, but I really noticed it last week, we were with all the staff. And uh, so all the staff, we had, uh, of course, Brian and Samantha and Robert and Beth, we had Adeline and Weston and, and uh, Micah and Rebecca with Felicity. And then of course, uh, me and Hannah, and our three kids, we we're all there, we were hanging out, eating dinner together. And, and at one point during the evening, little Felicity, uh, she, of course, you ever watch her? She just, she pays attention when people are paying attention to her. She knows. But she really knows when dad's watching her. And I was watching this week and we were at our house and little Felicity, she began to do something. That, and, and I think um, she was over by the kitchen table and she was reaching up onto the table to grab something, maybe a, someone's phone or something like that. I don't remember what. And, and she's reaching up for it. And Micah walked over to so Felicity. No, and her hand's out, and she's like. And Micah just stood there, just kind of watching Felicity. And I I was watching all this unfold and take place. And Micah, he turned and continued talking, and if Micah's right here and I'm Felicity, as he would look away, she would go. (laughs) He would look back and she would just stop. He would look away. And she, she didn't even watch what she was looking at. She You know, what she was trying to read, she didn't even look at it. She's just watching him. And this continued. I, I think I was watching for probably about 30 seconds or 40 seconds. And every time, every time he would look away, she was like going back for whatever that, the cell phone or plant or candy. I don't remember what she was trying to grab. But every time, every time he would look away, she would go to do what she was told not to do. You know what? We all can be like that sometimes. And what we're gonna find this morning is the children of Israel were like that. What we're gonna discover today is that the children of Israel, they did really good when someone was watching. They did really good when a judge was paying attention to what they were doing. But when a judge would pass off the scene, The children of Israel went right back to that which they weren't supposed to be doing. I want you to notice a few thoughts with me today as we get in the Word of God. Number one, I want you to see what we're gonna call a dilemma revealed. A dilemma revealed. As we open up this portion of scripture, we find out that the children of Israel, they're once again choosing to do evil in the sight of the Lord. You can find this summarized in verse number seven, where it says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. And so, there seems to be, again, this cyclical uh, process with the, the children of Israel, and we're at the point where now they are doing their own thing. They are turning away from God. They're doing evil in the sight of the Lord again and, and forsaking the Lord that they knew. And because of this, we find from the scripture that God allows them to be overtaken by the Mesopotamians, uh, this, this group Mesopotamian. Mesopotamia. And their ruler would be Kushan, or we would, say, we would say Chushan, but it would be Kushan. The H would be silent. Kushan Rishathayim. Now, what's interesting about this is Kushan Rishathayim was probably not his name. We know because the Bible has definitions for names. And most of the time in Bible times, they would receive a nickname, if you will. You can go uh, um, different Bartholomew or, or uh, Bartholomew in the New Testament was the son of Ptolemy, or the son of Thamu. Uh, you can go to uh, um, Barabbas. He was, his name was not Barabbas, it was probably something different, but he was known as the son of Rabus. Barabbas, B-A-R, means son of. In the, in the Old Testament, you have to look up the definitions and you find out some things. Here's the definitions of Cushan Rishathayim. Cushan, or Cushan, would be from the sons of Cush, the Noah's descendants, that's what he would be known as. He'd be Cushite origin from the family of Cush. But then Rishathaim, it means double wickedness or duly evil. That's what the name Rishathaim means. Now, either A, his parents were really cruel and named him Rishathaim, the Cushite, or B, this is some sort of a nickname that was given to him by the writer of Judges and by the Israelite people. I lean towards that this would probably be a nickname, that the king of Mesopotamia was a doubly wicked Cushite that was doubly evil towards the children of Israel. Thus, they cry out to the Lord. Kushan Rishathayim, this doubly evil, wicked uh, ruler is now over them. And this would really, his name would indicate to us how he is remembered by the atrocities that he uh, um, did against the people of God. You can go and you can understand that he ruled over them and he caused them to be their slaves, the slaves of the people of Mesopotamia for eight years. Now, as you get into this, we don't know much about what happened while he was in power, but we know that there was enough to cause the children of Israel are THE CHILDREN OF THE LORD TO TURN TO GOD AND CRY OUT FOR DELIVERANCE. Here, here's what they were doing. They were, listen, don't miss all of this this morning. And we're going to, I'm going to preach the history of it. And then we're going to wrap it all up at the end, but don't miss the thought that here they are serving Balaam, serving the gods of Ashtoreth, serving these uh, gods of the people of the land. They're doing their own thing. And yet God, and so God allows Cushan-Rishathaim to come and to rule over them and, and put them in, in subjugation for eight years. And so they go into servitude of Cushan-Rishathaim, the Mesopotamians for eight years. And that's, stirs them or causes them to turn back to the Lord. Isn't it interesting that trials often turn us back to God? Isn't that interesting? And you know what? God allows that to happen. Sometimes bad things in our life are happening because God's trying to get our attention. Sometimes bad things happen in our life just because bad things happen. But with the children of Israel, at this point, Cushan-Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, he wasn't in rule just because it was kind of the thing to do. God set up one to turn the people to him. We find the people turning to him, and here's the dilemma. They're being ruled, they're being overthrown by somebody, <coughs> excuse me, that they did not like, that they did not want in their control, and so they cry out to God. The Hebrew word for the word cried in our passage It's interesting because it doesn't just mean they prayed. It means they came together as a people to proclaim their need. So now there's almost like a a, a national revival taking place with the children of Israel. And they're coming together and and realizing we need God's help. We've turned from him. We need his help. There's not repentance in the word cried. There's just desperation in the word cried. We're not sorry for what we've done, but we really need your help. That's kind of, just save us. That's where they're at. Before we move on though, I want us just to understand something that I wish the people of Israel would, would have realized. And that's this, that when they kept following their own ways and their own plans, they always end up hurting and in a difficult situation. That, that's what took place. You go, we, we will see this throughout the entire book of Judges. Every time they walked away from God, their, their lives begin to be hurtful, and they begin to miss out on the privileges that God had for them as people of God. And here's the truth, that the same happens in our life as well. And don't miss it this morning. When you and I, listen, when we turn from God and follow after our own ways, God allows us to suffer the consequences of that selfishness. And sometimes, sometimes, Sometimes what we see as God's judgment is really actually just the natural consequences for our own selfishness. Sometimes people go, well, I just, I just don't understand uh, why I'm in all of this financial trouble. I mean, I, you know, I have this money, I've tried, and I've done this, and I've done that. Uh, but you know what? Their, finan- their financial struggle is a result of not following the biblical principles of stewardship. That sometimes happens. People with children, they say, well, I just don't understand the way my kids are, the way they are. And, and listen, I understand that some kids, when they turn to become adults, they just walk away from what they were raised in. But a lot of times at the younger ages, the reason that things aren't going the way is because the parents aren't following the biblical way of raising children. So sometimes there's just a natural consequence of what takes place. Here's what uh, Solomon described as a natural consequence of doing things our way. In Proverbs 1:29 through 33, talking about people who are doing things their way. They that hate it for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. They're gonna eat of the fruit of their own way. They're gonna reap The consequences of that and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of the fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Listen, that's a principle in the Word of God. Go after your own ways and suffer the consequences of it. The end result of selfishness and doing things our way instead of God's way is always hurt, it's always frustration, it's always a lack of fulfillment. And that's where we see the children of Israel experiencing this once again. So the dilemma is revealed. They've ran from God. They're now in captivity calling out to the Lord. But in grace, we see secondly, a deliverer that's raised, a deliverer raised. Notice verse number nine, if you will. In our passage, verse number nine, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, it says, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, In these verses, or this verse, we read that God in his mercy sent the deliverer. This was completely the merciful hand of God. This was God, again, relentlessly pursuing his people and in love and mercy and grace, what we find is God raising up this judge, Othniel. Now, we just read the passage, so we won't do it for time's sake, but we don't know a whole lot about Othniel except for chapter one, we read about the seizing of Debir for his uncle Caleb. We read that in, in Judges one. But when you look at Judges chapter three, you would be quite a few decades down the road from Judges chapter one. Judges one through three is... is 1 and 2 is really talking about the time from Joshua a few decades down the road. Some people believe even up to seven decades, so 70 years later. Now, I don't know if I would agree that it's that far, but you could probably lean on about 40 or 50 years later. We find Caleb here, this man, so he would be an older man. I mean, if it was just 40 years, Caleb here would be at least 100 years old. It's just crazy to think about. Or Othniel, excuse me, Othniel would be, uh, uh, he'd, he'd probably be about 80 years old. When you look at Othniel, you find out we don't know much about him, but we do know that God used him. Regardless of his age, God used him, and, This man, Othniel, that we read about in verse number 10, the Bible tells us how God used him. Look at verse number 10. It says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and went out to war. There's a process in what Othniel did. And, And don't miss it. Stay with me. Are you still with me this morning? Are we still together? Judges chapter three. We're looking at Othniel and understanding the deliverer that was raised up. God would raise him up. God would fill him with the spirit of God. And what Othniel would do is he would go and he would judge the people. That's what the Bible tells us, the process. He would judge the people. Well, what is that word judge? Mean? It means to reprove or to call to account for sins. Okay, so in verse, number, uh, in verse number nine, the people cry out to the Lord. They just turn to God. But in verse number 10, they're called to in judgment for their sins. That's what verse 10 tells us he did. He judged them. Hey, listen, we have gotten away from God Almighty. We need to turn back to him. And with that judgment, there would be repentance that uh, they would turn back to God. God would use Osniel to reprove these people to bring them be or excuse me to bring their transgressions before them and their departure from God's truth. He would call them to repentance and to turning back and then we read that he took them to war. That was the right way of doing things. Well, what do you mean, pastor? Israel dealt with their own hearts before they tried to take care of their enemies. There's a helpful lesson in that approach, isn't there? Here's what it is. In your life and my life, the New Testament says this, worry about your own heart before you worry about the heart of others. Worry about the beam that's in your own eye before you worry about the splinter that's in someone else's eye. You know what we like to do? We like to call out the faults of other people rather than looking in the mirror. Now, does the Bible have some things to say about understanding where people are at and and being able to discern and judge the spirit of people? Yes, the Bible says some things about that, but only after we've judged our own heart, only after we've allowed God to work in our own heart. And Othniel understood that. So, hey, children of Israel, listen, if if we're gonna find victory over the enemy, we've gotta take care of our own hearts first. And the same is true in your life and my life. If you and I are gonna find victory over the enemy, over our enemy, Satan, which we're gonna see next, represented next week through the flesh, through Eglon. If we're gonna find victory in that, then we have to first get victory in our own hearts, get ourselves right with God, right? David said, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And so Othniel, he did this. He said, hey, listen, we need to make sure that we're right with God. They attack and they win, they win against Cushan Rishathaim. Verse number 10, it says, They went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathaim. <coughs> so here you have Othniel, the children of Israel, winning a battle. But before we move on, can I just show you, real quick, the key to why he won the battle? And this is the key to our victory as well. Any victory that you have spiritually, there's one key in it. Verse number 10, the spirit of the Lord. At this time in scripture, and we can go, and we're not gonna do this right now, we may down the road. The spirit of the Lord would actually come upon, would, would come upon people and leave people. That was, that was the way the Lord worked in the Old Testament, that the spirit of God would come and control and help somebody and then, and then come away. In the New Testament, we have the spirit of God abiding with us. Did you know the only time that you and I will really experience true victory in the Christian life is when we yield to the Holy Spirit? You wanna know why some Christians just go through life struggling? It's because we don't yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Our power and our strength as a believer of God. Listen, don't miss it this morning. I know it's warm, it's summer. It's July and August at Moses Lake Baptist Church. 80 degrees, praise the Lord. We're okay, all right, we're all right. I'm in a coat up here. My wife should tell me to take it off, but I'm fine. I'm not hot, neither should you. Listen, I want us to catch it this morning that you and I, unless we tune in to the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God each and every day, we're not gonna win the victories. It's called yielding to the spirit of God. It's called turning ourselves over and surrendering our mind and our heart and our words to the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, five, I am the vine and you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But look at the last part. It says, for without me, you, you can do nothing. It was true in Othniel's life, and Othniel understood that the spirit of the Lord. When you look at the verse in verse number uh, uh, ten, or yeah, verse number ten, it says that the Lord delivered Cusha, Cushan-Rishathaim into the hand of, of Othniel. It wasn't Othniel's might. It wasn't his uh, war prowess. It wasn't it wasn't his strategy. It wasn't the fact that he knew warfare. No, the spirit of God gave victory. And in your life and my life, the only thing that's going to give victory is when we are yielding to the Spirit of God. That's why uh, uh, Paul wrote very much in the, in the book of Romans about yielding yourselves servants to righteousness, yielding yourselves as, uh, to the Spirit of God. And Ephesians, see then that you understand that you're walking circumspectly, not as fool, but as wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Colossians, hey, allow the Spirit of God to indwell you richly in all wisdom and understanding, knowing what the, we, we've just got to see from Scripture scripture that the word of God tells us when I am yielding to the spirit of God, that's when real victory comes. It's the spirit of God with the word of God, helping the child of God become like the son of God. That's what happens. That's God's process in us winning winning, uh, spiritual battles. And so this deliverer is raised up and... Man, I look at this and I see God uh, once again, just in love and mercy and grace, giving his spirit and allowing them to experience victory. I want you to think about it just for a moment. When Othniel and Israel turned back to God, this isn't the first time this has happened. Go read the book of Joshua. Go go to the Pentateuch, go look at the children of Israel when they're walking through the desert in the, in the wilderness through the book of Exodus. Time and time again. You know what God could have done when they came to him? God could have said, I refuse. No, I've, I've, done, I've been merciful to you enough. I'm not giving my spirit again. No, I'm not going to give you victory. No, you keep choosing this and I'm gonna let you just, I'm, I'm just gonna let you fail. I'm gonna let you fail and fall in this. But that's not what God did. Why? Judges 2.16, because there's always a Nevertheless. Man, aren't you thankful God didn't say no? And we have to understand from scripture that when you and I turn back to God, God's not gonna say no. In your life, if there's an area of your life where you're like, man, God, I feel like I've walked away from you here, God's not gonna go, well, good riddance. Well, you shouldn't have done that. There you go again. You know what God is? People look at the prodigal son and look at that story. And most people just look at the prodigal son. The prodigal son story is about the God, is about the father. There's a lot of lessons we can learn about the son, but you look at that father, what was the father doing? He was running with open arms to the son that had literally condemned the father as dead. That's the passage. By the son saying, give me my inheritance, he's saying, you are dead to me. the son mistreated the father, took advantage of the father, betrayed the father, And yet the father was running with open arms. Man, what a beautiful picture of God in your life and my life when we fall back into sin. And yet when we turn and repent, God says, I'll come to you. The old adage was, if you take a step, God will take one step. But I I like it better. Man, one man said it this way, that if you take a step, God walks swiftly towards you. If you walk swiftly toward God, God runs to you. What's the thought? He's not just gonna meet you halfway. God says, turn to me. Good, I'm coming. That's what God does. And that's what he did with the children of Israel. We see that dilemma revealed. We see the, the, uh, the um, deliverer is raised. But I want you to notice thirdly this morning, a departure repeated. A departure repeated. Verse 12 through 14, we won't read it. We already did. We find the children of Israel, just the first part of verse number 12, Children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Man, what a crazy decision. Here they're experiencing, you look at it, when they, when they uh, uh, verse number um, 11, the land had rest for 40 years. That word rest, it doesn't just mean, ah, oh, we're fine. It means peace and joy and assurance. And you know what's happening for, listen, you know what's happening for 40 years? They're experiencing a fulfilled life. They're experiencing the life that God wants for them. The Mesopotamians are gone. Othniel is judging and things are going well. I mean, they're, man, they're doing right. They're following the Lord. They're experiencing blessing. They're seeing God work. They're, they're understanding. They're moving forward in their walk with God and they have a healthy relationship with God. Things are going well for the children of Israel. And then you come and you read verse number 12. It just, it just doesn't make sense. And they did evil again in the sight of the Lord. There's that cyclical relationship that I keep referring to that word. It just means to go round and around and around. Here they are doing it again. Man, that, I don't know about you, but that just, that blows my mind. Israel again walks away from God and follows after their own way. Isn't that crazy? But you know what? We look at Israel and we say, how could they do that? But did you know there's Bible believing Christians that are prone to do the same thing? And there's there's people in here that you've been there, I've been there. Man, you're walking with God. I mean, you're in the word. You're praying, you're growing. Man, you're, you're loving church. Loving seeing people get saved, you're even carrying gospel tracts and trying to witness to coworkers. And man, you're probably involved, people that sing or, or serve or clean or greet or bring snacks or whatever the case may be. Isn't it, we, we serve, we're going, man, we're experiencing those <laughs> blessings, we're doing, we're fulfilling, we're finding joy in it. And then something happens a small little trial or a a relationship struggle or something at work, and we go. And we do the same thing the children of Israel did. We walk away from God and we go after our own ways and we get out of the word, we get out of prayer, we stop serving, we fall away from church. Listen, that's what many Bible believing Christians do. And here's the lesson I want us to learn today. We don't have to do that. You don't have to be like the children of Israel in this passage, where they were doing right before the Lord and then not doing right and doing right and not doing right. A moment ago, I said that the children of Israel are a lot like us and we're like them and we're all can be like children. Here's the thought I wanna get at and we close. You know what Israel did? They followed God and they lived for God when Othniel was on the scene. But as soon as he was gone, they forsook the Lord. Remember Felicity, remember the story? Felicity reaching, dad looks, fine. Dad looks away, Felicity starts reaching again. Now we go around, my kids did it, your kids did it, you probably did it, I never did. I mean, my parents aren't here, so they're fine, you know. They don't know. (laughs) No, but aren't we like that? And you know what we do as Christians? Sometimes we allow that to be our Christianity. That we're good, listen, we're good, and we follow the Lord when certain people are watching, when certain people care. And I want us to understand this morning, and this is where the whole message is going today. Do you know what that type of Christianity shows us about ourselves? It shows us two things. If you've missed the whole message, wake back up and pay attention for the last five minutes. It shows us motive, and character, motive and character. The children of Israel, when they were following the Lord, the motivation was Othniel. Othniel's watching, Othniel judged, Othniel's called us to repentance. Hey, we better not do that because Othniel. The motive was Othniel. And you know what happened, Brother Craig, is their character is revealed when Othniel dies. Their motive is gone their character resorts back to that which is humanly natural, sinful, they go back to the flesh. And in your life and my life, when we live that type of Christianity where we follow when people are watching, it reveals motive and it reveals character. Let me give you a few thoughts this morning and we'll 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 wrap it up and be done. Do you know what reveals motive? Motive is... So some people's, I'll do it this way. Some people's motive is, you know what, I'm going to go to church today because if I don't, I'm setting a bad example for my kids. Now question. Should you want to set a good example for your kids? Yes. Yes. Is that an okay reason to go to church? Yeah. But should that be my motive? No. Well, you know what, Uh, man, today's my day to greet. yes I got to be there early if I'm not then I'll probably hear hear from Miss Beth where were you you weren't in your greeter spot you know and listen it's okay to want it is okay to want to please people around us but that shouldn't be our motive There's a lot of people, and you can go and and really the examples abound. You can think about many believers that choose to do right when they know other people are watching, like uh, believers who choose to live right when they know a spouse is paying attention, or people who know that they uh, they should speak right and they do only when certain people are around, or they should watch the right shows when their family's around, or they get the job done when the boss is watching. But the truth is this: that oftentimes when the spouse is gone, the boss isn't in, the family isn't around motive and character is seen because that quote-unquote Christian almost turns into a completely different person. Israel was doing just fine when Othniel was around, but when Othniel left, they crumbled. Their motive for doing right and following the Lord was actually driven by their desire to please Othniel and get out of their troubles. Their character comes through because now that Othniel is gone, they resort back to that which got them in trouble in the first place. And my friend, we need to remember that our motive for following the Lord should be a love for God. Do you know what the children of Israel missed in the entire Old Testament? you know what the Pharisees missed in what they, when Jesus spoke to them? Here's what they missed. Listen, they missed relationship. The children of Israel, they were just stuck on this concept of, we've got to obey, we've got to obey, we've got to obey, we've got to obey. And the whole time, God was saying, just love me. Just love me. Yes, I want you to obey my commands, but do it because you love me. And can I just hopefully this morning wake up some Christians as we look at 2019 as we're, uh, man, 6,000 years or 5,000 years removed from this uh, passage and, and we're gone from this. May we learn and understand we don't have to repeat the sins of the children of Israel having the wrong motive and showing a false character. No, listen, we could have the right motive. God, I'm going to serve you and follow you and give. And God, I'm going to have the right testimony at work and I'm going to be honest in my dealings with people. And God, I'm not going to allow that bitterness and gossip in my life. And Lord, I'm going to stay in the word and I'm going to stay in prayer all because I love you all because you want relationship with me. And God, even when people aren't watching my character that's being revealed is going to be a godly character. And what our country needs, listen, what your family needs and what my family needs and what your workplace needs and what our church needs and what our community needs are some Christians who are going to say enough with doing the, the, the roundabout thing of serving the Lord and walking away from the Lord, and serving the Lord, and walking away from the Lord. Listen, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God is interested, and God wants relationship based on love and character that's based on consistency. That's what God wants, and that's what God blesses. And you know what we do? Man, we're just like the children of Israel. We know that, but going back to last week, we know it, but we don't act on it. Man, may we choose today that God, I want my motive to be a love for you. I want my character to be consistent. Too many Christians have that double life. They follow the Lord when it's convenient when someone else is watching or showing interest. But God says, I want more. I want you to love me from the heart, no matter what others are doing. Next Sunday night, we're closing out our consumed series. And the passage we're looking at is John 21. One of the interesting things about John 21 is what what Jesus said to Peter. Jesus had just given Peter a little bit of an assignment. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Peter's there and he looks over and he sees John. And these are the verses we read. Peter, seeing him, John, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Here's what Jesus was getting at with Peter. Peter, don't be concerned about everybody else. You choose to follow me. You choose, love me from the heart. You choose to put me first. You choose to stay consistent. Peter, don't worry about him. Follow thou me. I wonder what kind of a difference it would make if we had some believers today that said, you know what, this week, my motive isn't gonna be anybody else. This week, my motive isn't gonna be my spouse or my kids or my boss. This week, my motive's not gonna be the pastor or my teacher or or, uh, friends from church. No, this week, my motivator is gonna be my love for Jesus. And this week, my character is gonna show consistency. Even when no one's around, I'm gonna follow after God and walk with him. May we determine to be a believer that walks with God and follows him, loving him from the heart, no matter who's around and no matter who's watching. I wanna do this today, just wanna close with a couple of simple questions. The first one today is, what is or has been your motive? Listen. Really, our motive needs to be reevaluated all the time, every day. I've got to wake up and just say, God, I want to get back to that right motive of loving you. Every moment, God, I want to serve today because of my love. What's your love? What's your motive been like? What's your motive been? How's your character been? Christians should have in, have character and integrity, consistency. No matter who's around, no matter who's watching. I wonder today what would God say about your character and my character. May we make the decision, Lord, help me to have the motive of loving you and help that to be identified in a consistent character. But then the last thing I want to look at this morning is this, that maybe you're here and you don't even know. You don't even know if you have a relationship with God. You don't know if you died today that you'd be going to heaven. Can I tell you that more important right now, more important than your character or motive is where your heart is. Do you have a relationship with God? And if you're here and you don't know for certain that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, I hope that today you would make the decision to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I'm gonna pray, we'll have a time of invitation, but if you're here and God's spoken to you and you need to respond to him, I encourage you to do that today. But before I pray, I want to ask this question. If you know for sure you're going to heaven, you know that, you know you've received Christ as your Savior, would you just slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. Now, maybe you couldn't raise your hand. Maybe today you couldn't raise your hand. You don't know if you died, you're going to heaven. If that's something that you don't know, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you by name, but I would like to pray for you. If you're here and you'd be honest, pastor, would you pray for me? I do not know if I died today I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? Now, if you raised your hand or you did not raise your hand and you don't know you're going to heaven today, today we invite you to come and someone will take a Bible, the word of God, and they'll show you from God's word how you can have a relationship with him, how you can know you're going to heaven. If you do know Christ as your Savior, will you make the decision, have the motive of loving him this week, and have a character that's consistently following him? Lord, I love you, and I pray that you'd bless our invitation. Speak to us, and thank you for your word. Help us, God, to have uh, just the right heart, to have a right motive of serving you and following after you because of our love. And then, God, that our character would shine uh, as being consistent, that this week, no matter who's watching, that we would just continue seeking after you. Help us right now. Bless the invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit MosesLakeBaptistChurch.com.